Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm, you say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Jack. This is our podcast, <gasps> Script Shop. Hello. Hi. I'm Allison. Welcome to Script Shop, where yeah. we talk to screenwriters about what they've written and why they're the only person in the whole world that could have possibly written this amazing thing that has come our way. Yes, and we are uh, so grateful to have you listening. Uh, we've got uh, people, new people listening all the time, and thank you for being thank here. Thank you. We really appreciate it. We uh, There's a variety of ways where you can do more than just listen, if that's your thing, because this is the internet. It's not just a passive thing. You can actively participate in stuff, and you can do that by, say, going on to scriptshopshow.com if you're not there already, and check out our different writers and our different scripts that we have available along with the different shows uh there's also things like facebook and instagram and twitter we're on all those things if you go on to those platforms and search script shop show uh you can find us you can follow us you can friend us uh i don't know any other you can submit oh any more f verbs find us that sound pleasant (laughs) well that's debatable jack if you've written a script (laughs) and you want to send it to us there's a way to do that as well that's on scriptshopshow.com slash submit and that's how you send your work to us. And that's how our writer, <laughs> I'm just powering right on through. That's mm-hmm. how our writer As sent us does. the script that we got today. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> our writer today is uh, Joseph Dutra, who sent us a script called Museum Madness. Museum Madness is a seven-page night at the museum gone bad. <laughs> yeah. Short. It is a beautiful, beautiful little story. Um Gosh, it is short, so I'm not going to give away too much about what happens here before we jump into it. It's but wild. It's wild. It's wild. It is capital it W is a trip, wild. It is a trip down something somewhere. I'm, I'm not now. I'm just getting lost and trying yeah. to make it a thing. It's wild. It's Buck Wild. It is Buck Wild. Yeah. Uh, if you have, uh, if you do follow us and you're maybe uh, listening to us on iTunes and you wanted to like leave a little review, a little or a little like recommendation, those things go a long they way. They really do. Yeah, they do. So if you have positive things to say about the show, please say them online. And if you have anything mm-hmm. negative to say, just email me directly. Right. I would appreciate that. Or you can just like yell it out loud in your room, like mm-hmm. alone. That's fine mm-hmm. too. But if it's a good thing, put it in written form and, and yeah. submit it Post somewhere official. It. Yeah. And then tell everybody all the nice things you have to say about us. Mm-hmm. And then give us money, too. And you can do that. We're on Patreon. Patreon.com. You can look up Script Shop or Script Shop Show. We'd like to give just a quick shout out to uh, some of our patrons we've had recently. Uh, just because, you know, it's fun to say thank you to these people. Yeah, because these people are nice enough to give us money, money. for this show, thank which you. is so, so sweet. Thank you so much. We've been doing this show now. Uh, a year and a half? Yeah. Almost. Ish. Yeah. A year and a half ish. Um, basically out of our own, the passion of our own hearts. Mm-hmm. And that is a wonderful thing. But having some buccarinis and some buccarunos to put into the show. You know how much we love those reenies, folks. It's, it's really, really helpful. So thank you to Hyten Davidson, who was a screenwriter we had on the show, who wrote a script called Call of the Void. You should check out that episode to uh, hear about her work. Cheryl Smith-Allen, The Last Light in Vegas, and then this wonderful, mysterious internet person who 
sent us some buccarinis as well. Simply Scripts. Yeah, it's at Simply Scripts on Twitter with a handle of Booze's dad. So, I mean, Booze, your dad's pretty cool for what it's worth. He's <laughs> sending us some reenies. So thank you guys so much. <gasps> We've got show mail that's coming to the studio. Show mail. I'm not ripping off the song, so calm down, Frank. Frank's not here, but Frank always gets uh, really nervous when we, do, when we sing anything. When we do musical stuff because he's afraid of us getting sued. Frank's like that tone came from one thing once right copyright but that was me just making up that song on the spot so you i'm that i'm pretty sure that i'm covered legally good <laughs> well let's copyright it now see tm 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 there we go <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very legal. i was gonna say see with the circle around it and oh now yeah. we're done we were on the same page though if you yeah. just yell tm around something it's trademarked that's what the mac do <laughs> is it really yeah it's great. Every well, time now it, you're definitely ripping something off. Now, darn it, I was. <laughs> you even admitted it. We're cutting that out. Uh, so we do have some show mail. Uh, Joe Wakefield, another previous guest of ours, sent us something, and we're going <gasps> to... We don't know what it is. We're going to do a live unboxing right here on the show. Mm-hmm. So we've got the envelope here, and I'm going to open mm-hmm. this up. Very pleasing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this is. Oh, boy. What? Uh, oh, wow. Look at this. Oh, my gosh. Wow. It's a copy of uh, this book is a collection of short screenplays by award-winning screenwriter Joe Wakefield. Cool. That is so nice. I love that pose he's doing on the front. Like, put your dukes up, dudes. Yeah. Joe, cool. Joe wrote The Hermit and the Automatons, which was yeah. a previous show that we had on. And he look at here. Flip through this. Look how nice that is. That's a full oh my gosh. collection of all Joe's listen, scripts. Listen, everybody. Listen to all those pages. Oh, Joe, good for you. He's he's bound his screenplays into a book. And he's got all like the laurels on the front oh, for his selections beautiful. and stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. Man, Joe, gosh, I wonder if he just walks into people's offices and is like, here you go, take a look at my work. That's it. Here's my resume. Here you go. Just, uh, you know. Turn Netflix off and watch this for the evening. Yeah. <laughs> That's super cool. Joe, thank you very much. Congratulations. Thank you, Joe. And again, Joe was a previous interview of ours. Uh, he did The Hermit and the Automatons. Yeah. So you should check great. that out. Okay. Uh, our guest this week for this show, who's standing by ever so patiently with, with family around, if, I'm, if I remember oh, right. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Let's, so cool. Let's go to the, uh, let's go to the computer and uh, talk to uh, Joseph Dutra. Joe, hi. Are you there? Yeah. Hey. Hey, man. Uh, welcome to the show. You? Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. So you mentioned that you are in the middle of basically a graduation visit because you're graduating. Yeah, yeah. My my mom and sister came in from town. Um, yeah, I graduate on Saturday, actually. Oh, congratulations. So where, where are you at that they came into town from? Um, well, I, I'm going to the Minneapolis College of Art and Design, and my mom and sister are coming in from Arizona. Oh, wow, great. What is your degree in? Uh, bachelor's of fine arts. I'm majoring in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. That's cool. Uh, what's your program been like? What kind of things have they had you do? Uh, well, um, I learned about acting, directing, editing, writing. Uh, actually I wrote the script in my, in my beginner screen, screen, screenwriting class. Okay. So there, there we go. I actually also take in animation classes which which was a completely different field for me but i really loved doing it and so i got basically like got a new skill in my filmmaking belt which is animation you enjoyed animation more than you thought you would yeah i i would say so i definitely learned new thing new things that i didn't think i would so i'm glad 
I took it. Was it, a, I mean, the program overall, did, I mean, did it, uh, it excite you, get you really jazzed up to, like, move forward in this next step in your career? Yes. Oh, yes, definitely. Absolutely. I'm, I mean, I'm, I've done a few animations already, and uh, I can definitely look forward to doing more. What do you think you're going to do after school? I'm sure everybody's asking you that question, yeah, no and kidding. I'd understand if you're sick of it. But, you know, just for the sake of the show, I'd love to know. Yeah. Honestly, not go broke or homeless. Okay, that's a good goal. Yeah, good start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as far but, as, like, contacts and stuff, were there, like, have you networking and fellow classmates and stuff? Are you guys, are you guys taking a trip or uh, anything like that? Um, uh, we have discussed um, projects out, outside of school. I actually have a few projects of my own uh, down the line right now that I plan on doing. Like editing-wise, I'm I'm going to edit some projects for people as well as animation. Oh, great! That's but, a uh, huge start. Yeah. Do you feel like moving at all? Not right now. I'm I'm uh, pretty comfortable where I am right now, mm-hmm. but. Did you move to Minneapolis from Arizona, or were you in that city already for some reason? I moved from Arizona to Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the school's in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. I just I lived in a town that's like twenty minutes away. And what was that transition like going from Arizona to a new a new city? Oh, different. That's for sure. Uh, I mean the the weather is completely different. You know the 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 roads. You know the way you had to like change intersections everything it's just like completely a completely different system it's it's crazy <laughs> i mean it's taking getting used to but i think i finally got down after three, three years <laughs> do you think that those kind of like environmental things they also trickle up into the types of people that you're interacting with too um maybe i think i don't know i think like a person i mean i think it the kind of person you meet depends like on how they're, you know, raised or, or how they're nurtured. But, uh, weather might be a thing. Part of it. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Sometimes those colder, those cold weather folks are maybe a little huggier than the desert folks. (laughs) That's so cute. I mean, I I could see that being a thing. I don't know that it is. I'm just, just, just a, for instance. Yeah. Uh, what was it, uh, Joe? Let me ask you this: As far as you know, you went to this school and you majored in filmmaking. What was film to you like growing up? Were you, were you a kid that watched a lot of movies? Did you like to do a lot of writing? How was your evolution of becoming, you know, th- this writing part of your life? Uh, how has that oh. developed? Oh well, you, well, you see, it's interesting. Um, originally, I actually wanted to be a video game designer hmm. because because I was always just playing video games. But, um, and you know, video games are more just are like filmmaking. They're just more interactive sure. and they require a lot more, um, 3d like CGI, CGI, uh, visual mm-hmm. effects stuff. Sorry. That, that, that came out. That did not come out uh, the way I wanted to, but you, you get my point. No, totally. But, but movies have always been like part of my life since when I was growing up. I mean, the first movie I ever saw was uh, Disney's Tarzan in 1999. Like I was, I was like four, four years old, free. And, um, I re- remember just going in, into the theater for the first time. I was just in awe by, by, by it all. Like how big the theater was, the seats. And, you know, when the, like when the film came on, I was amazed by the picture quality, 
like the sound and it was like it made me instantly want to go and see another movie again because of how amazing the experience was. Wow, okay. And and I like the fact yeah. that it mattered to you like it wasn't just about seeing the movie, it was the room itself and the seats and the speakers and like all that taking in the whole yeah. environment really affected you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was just like really uh in a I was really in a trance by it all. Mm-hmm. If that's the right, right word for it. But again, I mean, for a while, I wanted to be a video game designer because, you know, I always played video games. But what really wanted me to get into filmmaking was this film called Be Kind Rewind. Have you heard of it? I've seen that. seen it, yeah. That's a, that's yeah. a oh, shoot. Uh, Mich- Jack Black, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, Michelle, yeah. Uh, shoot, who was the director? Michelle Gondry. I'm- yeah, when I saw that film, I it, I thought it was just really cool how these two guys like took all these classics and made their own special twenty minute versions of them, mm-hmm. and and it's and how the and how the community itself there got involved in the making of these pictures, including and to which they would eventually make their own like their, their own film, like and they did it like with very low budget. They did it, like with what they had on their hands. And they did with like with a big passion to it. And when when you see them just watching it together, like in that in that in that store, that video store, you can see the beauty that is cinema because it's truly nothing. It it just shows that they did something special. A community came together. Exactly. And. I was just watching. And I was just like, "They, if they can do that, I can do that. I want, I want to have that feeling. Mm. I want, I want, want to make something that I can call my own and that people can look at and be entertained by." That's that, I, that's, that's beautiful. That's such a sweet and so that's specific. That's really beautiful. I really love that. Yeah, yeah. So Thank that you. that was the beginning for you, then. Yeah, I guess it was. I was um I was 12 when I saw that film and I mean it it, it took 7 years after well, at 8 8 9 years but it it took a while for me to officially get into it. Yeah, but, sure. That's awesome. Yeah, that film was was the turning point for me. When did you start actively writing? Yeah. Oh, man, that is a good question. Um well you know, it's funny. I the first like script I ever wrote was actually for like this own SpongeBob episode I thought of. Okay, it's <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah. It was about like this, it, like Squidward just like finally like got to his breaking point with SpongeBob and told him off in like the worst way possible. Mm-hmm. Like he said all these, he said like all these horrible things, and like, and SpongeBob just like finally realized oh my god this person hates me like he <laughs> literally hates me and so he takes himself out of town and Squidward has to go and find him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i never finished that screenplay but that's the basically the idea the storyline i had in mind yeah i love spongebob yeah. squarepants yeah oh god <laughs> the first three seasons were a classic they were the blazing saddles of animation wow see let me tell you something. Steven Hellenberg created something special with that. I mean, it came out like during a time when Nickelodeon either had cart- cartoons for adults like Ren and Stimpy or Morocco's Modern Life or stuff for kids like Rugrats and Hey Arnold. Steven Hellenberg was able to combine like both of that 
both of those qualities and create SpongeBob. I mean, he took like the social commentary took he took like social commentary and and cleverness that the adult would be able to get, but also the the fun childness that a kid would get as well. Mm -hmm. And so it was it became a thing that both kids and adults could appreciate. Now it's a Broadway musical. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't seen I haven't watched it, but. I mean, it looks interesting. I mean, yeah. In fact, what you're describing is that it, 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 it show had a bit of a Muppet Show quality to it, where there's 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 humor that's working on different levels all at the same time. Yeah, and that clearly struck a chord with you. Yeah, it did. It did. Because see, I mean, there were jokes that uh, that were in that show that I was I felt like eh, that's funny, but then like looking back at it now, I was like, oh my god, that's <laughs> hilarious. That that is clever. Yeah. <laughs> Like this, for instance, there was this one episode where Mrs. Puff goes to jail and Santo's trying to break her out and she's just like insisting not to go. And he's and he's just like like she's forgotten what it's like to be a free person. I'm paraphrasing. But but then it just shows this guy like with the regular like nine to five job. And he's just like like has like the like the most deadpan face going on. And it's just like. It's horrible. Like, he, <laughs> like he's he's free, but he's in the he's in his own prison. And was just like, mm. oh my god, that's real life right there. Like, like they they're showing us like the real world. And I was, I was like, like as a kid, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but as an adult now, I was like, oh my god, that's <laughs> that's really that's interesting life. because this brings up something that Jack was talking to me just a, just right before we called you about your script. And Jack, do you want to take it away? Yeah. So you sent us the script called Museum Madness, and, and folks, for our listeners, yeah, folks, if you haven't yeah. read it yet, you you should. It, it's a it's a seven page short about this guy who's working security in a museum. It's the middle of the night. He's sort of new at the job, and all of a sudden, these different like uh, paintings of demons start coming to life and chase him throughout the throughout work. And I, we're going to get into like some specifics of the story, but just since it was such a good segue with what you just brought up with that SpongeBob episode specifically, one of the big vibes that I picked up on in this script was the idea of a job that just like grinds you, chews you up, and spits you out as like an overarching like metaphor and theme in this story. And I was curious if that was like a conscious thing on your part when you were writing this. Um. Honestly, not really. I mean, I, I mean the I want the night security job was like more like just for like the scenario I wanted to build. Because mm-hmm. see, um, you see, the school I go to is actually right next to a art museum called the Minneapolis Arts Institute. Sorry, the Minneapolis Institution of Arts. See, it, it's this really cool museum. They got like a lot of cool stuff there. But one day I was just like walking like walking like through the hallways and looking at the paintings. And at one point I was just like, man, if someone were to come here at night and with nothing but a flashlight on, these paintings would look really creepy. Mm-hmm. Like the creep factor for them would just be raised like 10 times. And that's basically where like the idea for museum madness just spawned after that. Um, so, so it basically, I just came up with this whole, this, uh, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's slash Twilight Zone hybrid uh, of a script. Yeah. When you wrote yeah. this, uh, did so you wrote this while you were attending school, correct? Y- yes. And did you and just ha- so, go ahead? So, I'm sorry. I'm, and just so you know, I came up with this idea before Velvet Buzzsaw came out. <laughs> I, <it was> not, <laughs> all right. I was 
I was not even aware that that's that what that's what the film was going to be about. That's I, a, that's fair. And I hate when that happens. You know, you come up with an idea, but the, you know, you write the screenplay, and then boom, like you hear a couple months later, you hear about this about this TV show or film that's coming out, and it has like the same idea you have going on. And it was like, oh come on, mm-hmm. really? <laughs> I hate that too. Yeah, right. That figures. <laughs> And it's done by and it's done by a person who's been in the film industry longer than you. It's like, oh great. Well, I can't, I can't, I can't do it now. I can't do it. Someone's already done. Someone has already done it before me. You know. Do you normally write things that are satanic in this way, or a little bit? Is it a little more satanic, or is it a little more SpongeBob in your in the rest of your resume? Um. Well, I just like horror. You know. I there we I, go. I think, yeah. I think I think horror is just a very creative genre to really sink your teeth into, mm-hmm. pun intended. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I really just like to, and I got just I have so many ideas for for it. I just like to write write them down. I mean, one idea I have is for man eating trees. Oh, yeah. Well, what happens in that one? <laughs> Go on. You gotta tell us more. Yeah, I need more a than teaser. that. <laughs> well, you see what. Well, you see, this is based off on the whole emphasis that trees are really creepy looking at night. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, you know, what if the, you know, what if there was like, uh, like this, tr- these trees in this forest by a town that are basically cannibals, you know, the trees that have haunted, have, that have plagued this town for centuries now. And it'd be like this, it'd be like the Stephen King style type of story where, where like this new bunch just come in like come into the town and they like discover like this craziness going on and they have to figure out a way like to like stop these trees you know it'd be like part B movie part uh like part super serious okay so, so you feel like you like horror is sort of your your go to genre that's where you feel most comfortable your creative niche yeah. if you will um sometimes I mean I also like to do philosophical stuff like Terrence Malick oh wow I I have. Yeah, I have a lot of Terrence Malick uh, stuff on my belt. Wow. I'm sure there's yeah. interesting ways that those things can be combined as yeah. well. Because Jack's finding metaphor in this one that's like... I mean, I really felt like... potentially be deep, you know? The, 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 to me, the, there was a theme of like, work is hell if it, and it can chew you up and spit you out. And that's... I, I felt like that was, it was... It's like a warning for what happens to our main character of Matt in this, in this story. <laughs> I, uh... I'm sorry. I'm not as deep as you as, <laughs> as you are. I'm sorry. Well, I really but, wish I had thought of something that intelligent when yeah, I was writing Well, it, but, but Joe, you know, this is the good no. thing. This is the good thing about art because the idea that someone can read it, take a text, take a, a piece of uh, whether it's a drawing, whether it's a script, whether it's a, a poem, whether it's anything, and when you're when you're reading a text, you can take certain things out of it that that you're that you're finding in it. That's that's what art yeah. is. Yeah, I would love to go ahead and read a piece of this screenplay for yeah. our listeners. Um, so listeners, if you're following along, we're going to start on page three. We have, uh, Jack today reading for the character of Matt, our main character, who is a, a security guard at a museum. Yeah, he's fresh on the job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Joseph is going to read for Frank as well, his boss, and I'll be doing all the action headings. Okay. Do you, are you, you okay, Joe? Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, great, Jack. How are you feeling? I feel I feel great. I'm I'm anxious to get attacked in a in a, in a creepy museum. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Interior Satanic Art Exhibition Night. Matt makes his way through the Satanic Art Exhibition to get to the elevator that's there. 
Matt looks at some of the paintings that are there with his flashlight. One that specifically catches his eye is a portrait of a humanoid demon. It has long, jagged teeth, a slim, contoured body with pale skin and wide, white, pupilless eyes. It was towering over a man with his intestines spilled out, ready to kill him. Ugh, intimidating. As he studies the painting, the humanoid demon turns its head and stares right at Frank. Matt yelps and drops his flashlight. He quickly picks it up and looks back at the painting and sees the demon's head is turned back to its prey. Late night. Mind is playing tricks. Remembering Frank, Matt decides to think about this occurrence later. He gets to the elevator and pushes the up button. Lights flicker at first, but then they power down. Matt pushes again. Still nothing. That's weird. I just checked the power. It was fine. Suddenly, he hears a noise that sounds like scampering feet. Quickly turns to the direction of the sound. Doesn't see anything. Hello? Frank? Matt walks in the direction he heard the sound. As he makes his way through the satanic art exhibition, quietly passing through paintings of different shapes, colors, and people, but all centered around disturbing material, and the dark setting of the museum gives it a more scary aspect. One is where a woman and man with demon faces are holding a platter, with a man's head on it, his eyes closed. Another is man with the ram's head being worshipped by followers as he is holding a man's head in his hand. Why is art so creepy at night? All of a sudden, Matt's radio goes up. Matt. You there? Matt quickly grabs his radio from his belt and responds. Frank, Jesus, man, you scared the shit out of me. Is everything okay? Oh, yeah. Just count my blessings for St. Virgin Mary. May she prosper. What? Frank, you're not making any sense. Yep. That's the way the world goes. Round and round and round and round As Frank keeps repeating this, his voice becomes slower as if powering down. Frank, what is going on? The radio goes dead. Damn it. Matt makes his way to the stairs. He's slowly losing his breath as he's walking. I hate stairs. And scene. And scene. That's such a delicious place to end that scene on. Creepy. So creepy. How did you figure out to have Frank say the weirdest stuff to him over the radio like that? Uh, Well, you know, I... um, I figured, you know, he's got, you got, he's got something strange has to go on, like, like in this moment, you know, like, I mean, he's already had like strange occurrences, but just, he's got, it's got to be like at the point where his, like where Matt's like alert levels have have to go to red, you know, Mm -hmm. like he was, yeah, I mean, he was at orange, like before, now he's just like at the color red, like what, because something is obviously up with his boss and he has to see what the hell's going on. Yeah. Is there a reason why you went with, like, demons specifically? Like, the idea of if you're doing something that's horror-related and you have, you know, any literally any monster that you can think of, was there a specific reason why, like, demons and was your go-to? I, well, I've always, of all the horror, I've always liked Supernatural the best. Because it's basically a person versus an unstoppable force. I mean, they are going up against something that is w- not even in their element. Like mm-hmm. there's no instructions on how to defeat this, defeat this this thing. I mean, with serial killers, like like with Scream, at least, at least you can like actually figure out a way to like get this guy. But I mean, when it comes to ghosts or demons, like The Conjuring or or Pennywise from Ed, there are there's nothing to, sh- to tell you how to beat this guy. You yeah. gotta like use your own wits and like just go with whatever works in that moment. Yeah. 
So in this script, folks, uh, so this Matt character runs back to the security office and Frank is there and Frank turns into just another demon and ends up Matt ends up going and dying the way that he saw in that painting of the yeah. demon ripping that guy to shreds. It's pretty fucked up. It's, 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 yeah. it's pretty visceral. And then it ends with some other dude getting interviewed for Matt's job and talking to Frank, the supervisor, who's still there and trying to think, oh, are you sure I'm going to be right for the job? And Frank's like, yeah, I think you're going to be you're going to you're gonna be fine. fine. Yeah, I wanted that Twilight Zone type of ending going on. You nailed it. Yeah. 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 But just so you know, though, I've actually rewritten it since since that. And I've actually uh, disregarded that that ending. Oh, really? What's the new ending? Well, it's him hanging up the picture, and he's and he's whistling "Pop Goes the Weasel." <laughs> oh, okay, creepy. Ugh. Yeah, nice. Yeah. You know, the uh, the descriptions of the paintings that you have in this script are they're they're really specific, and you know those of you who are listening, you heard some of those paintings that this guy is walking around and looking at and getting freaked out by. Are these are these paintings like based on anything that you've already seen that's at this uh, institution that you were talking about, or you're just making this up as you go? I, I kind of, I pretty much had to make it up. I mean, I, I was inspired by some of the stuff I found on the internet, but besides that, I had to just think of whatever could pop in my head at the mm. moment. What's your process with character development when you're building characters in a world like this? How do you go about it? Hmm. Well, usually the idea comes to me first about. I mean, the whole plot. I, I think about because. I don't know. I like to think of like what bizarre situations a character could get in, get themselves into, and usually I like think about that first, and then I figure out how it begins uh, and ends, and then the scenes in between, mm-hmm. and then it, and that's when the characters like really start to go into mind, like like what kind of person would fit into the situation, you know? I mean, what would this person do in that situation? Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, I wrote this – I wrote and directed this script I did called The Locker Room Mascot Massacre, which is which is basically about these three mascots who kill another mascot to gain popularity in the mascot world. Nice. <laughs> yeah. You see, you see the whole – you see basically the idea came first, and then I had to think about like what character – like what who who the characters would be, you know, how they would act, how what you know, who would be who would be the leader of these free mascots, you know, how would the others act around him, like how he himself would be as a person, you know. So, yeah, it's all just it's all about setting up the the situation mm-hmm. first before I get to the characters. Mm-hmm. So that then you can understand how one might respond within that environment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I get that. And, you know, I made a note, too, uh, in, uh, especially early on in terms of setting up. I felt like you really did the opening of the script is, I think, a really cool opportunity for like specifically for visual storytelling. If this were ever to be produced and you had like a director of photography that really wanted to do like fun things in the beginning with maybe shooting things at an askewed angle and having really like you can run wild with the lighting and the coloring of the space oh, yeah. and even the sound, the way you know things can echo and weird noises and stuff. I feel like there there's such an opportunity there for other people to really flex in terms of if this was to be produced. Well. Um... I hope you guys don't get mad at me for this because you're at the script shop. I've, I actually filmed it last Yay, year. Yay! No good. And, I, and 
and I actually just about completed editing for it uh, this month. No, we love that's it. exciting. No, we love talking to people who produce their work. What was that like yeah. doing the whole production oh. process? Oh, it was it was fun. I mean, it, it got exhausting at some points because because of you know um, I shot it actually shot it at my school. Okay, but it was real. Yeah, but it was really fun. I mean, the the crew I got were fantastic. The, the crew I got was fantastic. Um, the act, the actors I got, they were phenomenal. They gave their 110% like those days, especially the guy who played Matt. Uh, his name is Jake Schultz. He, he was just, he was a beast. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, he, he had flu, he had the flu the last day and he came out of there like a champ. Wow. <laughs> so wait, so you had to have somebody paint all these messed up scenes in, in frames and stuff, right? And hang them up. That's oh, so good. Sorry. And a quick shout out to Michael Quinn, who plays Frank as well. He he, he was the perfect guy for that role. I don't I don't want I don't want to leave him out because mm-hmm. there's only sure. two actors mm-hmm. there. But anyway, um, see, we I actually had to have a limited uh, set of paintings because, um, well, budget and time constraints, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But the paintings he did do were fantastic, especially the one where where uh, Matt goes up to the painting that looks at him. Like, he did a fantastic job on that one. How did you handle the ending with uh, Frank becoming the monster? Makeup, special effects? Um, uh, mostly camera work, see, and editing. See, I don't want to give away too much, but uh, some of the, uh, this, this guy who I met at MCAD, his name is Johnny Enslow, and he, uh, he helped me with some of the visual effects. Oh, great on that and uh he did a great job he worked his he worked his ass off on on that like day and night which i think was really cool of him and how- i did some stuff with color grading and like i said just camera work yeah how long did the shoot go um three days okay yeah did you film you see, it during um, the day or at night completely at night yeah wow yeah 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 and you, yeah you see uh when it came to to the monster that frame becomes it I kind of I tried doing it in the same way that John Landis did in a, a were, American Werewolf in London. You know, like how like the camera like chases after the uh, the person and like like you know that that subway scene where the camera chases after the person, but we don't really see the wolf. We just hear him make noise and everything. In the sure. motion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I tried doing the same method where we don't really see the monster. It's more of a thing where we hear where we hear mm-hmm. him and we hear the noises he makes well, to try to make it more mysterious. Yeah, no, I get but, that. that. That's a good way to, to cut around having to not worry about special effects or right? makeup as much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have plans for when you will premiere your film? Well, it's, they're going to be screening it at my, uh, at my graduation oh, after the ceremony. That's yes. great. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. going to be awesome. I bet your family so, is going to be so proud of you. Or they, something. They <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, if somebody wasn't able to get there but was interested in seeing your film, how could they reach out to you or contact you to talk to you more about this? Uh, well, I have a website. Uh, it's www.dutrapictures.com. Mm-hmm. That's, Great. Yeah, that's D-U-T-R-A pictures.com. Also, my email is joseph dot dutra1995 at gmail.com that's Great. awesome thank you yeah and, 
Oh, and uh, can I give out my Instagram and Twitter? Please do. Go yeah. for it. Yes. Yeah. My Instagram is at Dutra Pictures, and my Twitter is at Dutra under dash Joseph. Sweet. Yeah. And again, uh, Dutra is spelled D-U-T-R-A. I mean, you'll be surprised how many people, how many times I had have been asked how how Dutra is spelled. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. You can save this up the trouble now. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us on the show. We really loved talking to you about this story, Museum Madness in particular. Yeah. yeah. Joseph, seriously, thanks a lot. Congratulations on graduating. Congratulations on writing this script and getting it produced. You're, I feel like you're pretty well on your way in things, man. Really, that's a great job. Yeah, thank you. And, and uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity, both of you, just to talk about it and, you know, just talk about films in general. It's that's always fun. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. All right. There's Joe. Awesome. That's yeah. great. I didn't re- like that was such a twist at the end that he's produced this thing. I know. I loved it. Well, getting to talk about even just briefly what that little situation would be like for him. And again, I'm excited to see what it looks like, you yeah. know, because this is such a creepy, sinister like it goes the extra mile in terms of creep factor and i would love to see how he has that played out on an actual picture yeah because i really like the way that that's the way the script is set up if you've read it it there there you have whoever your photographer is or the director or whomever would have such an opportunity to really have some fun with what you could shoot in this thing and yeah. if he was shooting it at night yeah you get some creepy lighting going on and some really messed up paintings hung up on the walls yeah. and you're walking around with a flashlight yep. where the the everything looks creepier under a there's flashlight there's so much you could do there's a ton there's so there. many practical practical effects you could pull off yeah that's this. super cool i'm so glad that he produced that that's yeah. great uh, if you've written something that's super creepy that you would like to see produced, or maybe you have produced it, or you're in the process of uh, maybe raising money or casting or whatever, the important thing is you've written it, and we want to read it. Yeah. And you can have us do that by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit, and we would love to read your work. Don't forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, we also have personal Twitter accounts. I'm your bestie, Westy. And I'm at Script Shop Jack. And Jack's hilarious. Wow. So you should follow him. Don't oversell me. <laughs> now there's going to be a weird thing I have to live up to. I don't need that pressure. You you already do, so don't put it on there because it's there. I'm going to just keep being me. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> uh, we would love to continue our conversations with you online. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. And until next week, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West. Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.